Our scripture lesson is taken from Psalm 143, Psalm 143, page 720 in the Pew Bible, 720, Psalm 143. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my supplications. In your faithfulness, answer me, and in your righteousness, do not enter into judgment with your servant, for in your sight no one living is righteous. For the enemy has persecuted my soul, he has crushed my life to the ground, he has made me dwell in darkness like those who have long been dead. Therefore my spirit is overwhelmed within me, my heart within me is distress. I remember the days of old, I meditate on all your works. I muse on the work of your hands. I spread out my hands to you. My soul longs for you like a thirsty land. Answer me speedily, O Lord. My spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me, lest I be like those who go down into the pit. Cause me to hear your loving kindness in the morning, for in you do I trust. Cause me to know the way in which I should walk, for I lift my soul to you. Deliver me, O Lord, from my enemies. In you I take shelter. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Your spirit is good. Lead me in the land of uprightness. Revive me, O Lord, for your name's sake, for your righteousness' sake. Bring my soul out of trouble. In your mercy, cut off my enemies and destroy all those who afflict my soul, for I am your servant. Thus far the reading of God's word, may he add his blessing to it. In conjunction with it, I want to read to you from the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 49, found on page 225 in the Forms and Prayers book in the pew racks, in the book racks in the pew. Lord's Day 49, page 255. Concerning the third petition of the Lord's Prayer, it asks, what does the third petition mean? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven means help us and all people to renounce our own wills and obey and without any back talk, obey your will, for it alone is good. Help everyone to carry out his office and calling as willingly and faithful as the angels in heaven. Beloved of the Lord, as we consider the petitions of the Lord's Prayer, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We come now to this third petition, which really gets down to the nitty-gritty. It gets down to the basic issue of the first part of the Lord's Prayer, the, uh, the doing of God's will in our lives, the doing of God's will by us, uh, us doing the will of God. The first two petitions really, in a sense, depend on this petition. And by that I mean that his name will not be treated as holy 
and his kingdom will not come if his will is not done on earth. Or to put it a little differently, the extent to which his name is honored and the extent to which his kingdom come is dependent on his, the extent of his will being done on earth. And so this is a very vital issue. However, sadly, it's an often misunderstood issue in that many see this prayer merely as an expression that would, God would get his work done. God, whatever you're planning to do, we sure hope it gets done and done well. Uh, many see this as an expression of uh, uh, perhaps uh, give me uh, grace to accept whatever your plan is, uh, whatever you have in store for me. Well, that's, that's a good prayer, but that's not this prayer. This isn't about God's plan. It's about his command. It's, God teach, it's not God teach me to accept, accept whatever you do, but teach me to do whatever you command. It's not about the secret will of God. It's about the revealed will of God. It's not about submission. It's about obedience. So let's study this uh, petition by answering three questions. First of all, why is it uh, necessary, or two reasons uh, why uh, we should pray this prayer, then three things that God does uh, in answer to this prayer, and thirdly, the, uh, the goal of this prayer. First of all, then, why do we need to pray this prayer? Well, there's, there's two reasons. One is stated very clearly in the catechism. The other is... Uh, implicit but not stated explicitly and the uh, the implicit one is that we need to know God's goodwill uh, there is a reference there at the end of the first pa paragraph for it alone your will is uh, alone good and if we're to to do God's will the first thing is that we need to know it we need to learn it we need to find out what God's will is. We're asking God to uh, instruct us and teach us. The psalmist in Psalm uh, 143 uh, says, uh, cause me to know the way in which I should walk. Cause me to know it. Oftentimes uh, we are not clear in our minds about what is the will of God. Uh, many uh, churches, denominations, federations, synods, general assemblies, they, they ponder the question, you know, what does God want us to do in this area? What, what, does God, what is his good and acceptable will that we ought to be doing? And uh, although the moral commandments, the Ten Commandments, are quite clear, oftentimes their uh, application to various areas of life uh, are matters that need to be studied. And so uh, we're asking God, help me to, to know your will. Make me know the way that I should go. But then what is explicitly stated in the catechism is that when we know God's will, then make me willing to do it. Help me to renounce my own will and uh, uh, without any backtalk obey your will, which alone is good. And the psalmist prays that as well in verse 10 of Psalm 43. Teach me to do your will. First teach me your will, and then teach me to do it. 
This petition brings us face to face with our fallen human nature, our fallen and corrupt nature. Sin has corrupted our hearts, our minds, and it has especially corrupted our will. We become self-centered, selfish, proud, stubborn, (laughs) biased, conceited, so that we don't see things clearly, and even the things that we see clearly, we're reluctant to do. There are many churchgoers in North America who don't really understand God's will with regard to worship. What is the right way to worship God? We sometimes uh, study the second commandment and uh, speak of the regulative principle of worship. Well, a great part of Christendom is ignorant with regard to that, and each one of us has to learn that. What is God's will for us in worship? What about Sabbath observance? Again, among, in Christendom, broadly speaking, uh, uh, there's all kinds of uh, ideas about Sabbath observance, and, and people aren't clear in their minds about what God's will is for our life. What about uh, our duties to one another, uh, our duty and obligation as parents to our children, our duties and obligation to a husband and wife, uh, our spouse? our duty and obligation to our parents, especially as our parents get uh, older and uh, need help. Uh, What is the responsibility of Christians in that regard? God, teach us your will. We need to to know and understand these things. Uh, Many people uh, think it's all right to uh, tell a a little white lie if you're trying to save somebody's uh, feelings or protect somebody from uh, something. And and so you prevaricate with regard to the truth and, and don't realize that, that that's contrary to God's will. Um, gambling and uh, lotteries and raffles and what's God's will about those things? And uh, Christians struggle to learn those things. You need to learn those things. I need to learn those things. And, and we're praying that God would help us to learn those things. But especially, uh, we're praying, God, when I know, give me the will to obey. Sometimes we're just ignorant, but too often we are willfully ignorant, and so we need to pray something that you find in Psalm 119 11 times. Teach me your statutes. Teach me your laws. Or like uh, Paul in uh, Colossians 9, uh, teach me to do your will. We learn, must learn to uh, deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow Jesus. We're told to uh, go into all the world and make disciples. What does that consist of? Well, not just uh, baptizing them, but teaching them to obey, to obey all the things that Christ has commanded. And so we need to teach the commandments. We need to teach what right is and what wrong is. And we need to pray that we would have the will to do it. We aren't naturally good. Let me say this to the boys and girls who are here. Without God's help, you cannot be good. You need to pray to God, God, make me a good boy, make me a good girl, help me to learn to obey mother and father, help me to want to do the things that are good, that you like, God. And of course, adults need to pray those things as well. That's what, why this petition is, is given to us, is so that we would learn the will of God, and so especially that we would learn to 
uh, deny our own wills and do the will of God which alone is good. Now, how does God answer this prayer? Well, let me suggest to you that he answers it three ways. First of all, he, he, has, uh, he has answered it before any one of us here ever prayed this prayer. Uh, he, he answers this prayer by sending his son Jesus into the world to die for sin and set us free from the power of sin and death. Peter writes in 1 Peter 2, verse 24, he bore our sins that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Apart from the grace of God, you and I are enslaved to our passions and pleasures, our wicked passions and pleasures. We're uh, in love with the things of this world that are perishing. Uh, in God's sight, there is none righteous, no, not one. We read uh, uh, in uh, Psalm 143, for in your sight, no one living is righteous. We're all sinners and we're, we're enslaved to that sin. And we are wholly dependent upon God to, to liberate us. The Jews in Egypt were enslaved to wicked taskmasters who made their life miserable. And there was nothing they could do to, to free themselves. God had to sovereignly intervene and come down to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. And then with his strong arm and with his right hand, God destroyed all the gods of Egypt, all the forces of nature that they worshiped. He showed himself more powerful than all of them. And then he put to death the firstborn in every house in Egypt, except those who were covered with the blood. And finally, Pharaoh said, go, go, get out of here. It was all God's doing. God set them free. And you and I are in the same boat. We're in the same plight. We're in the same condition. We're helpless to free ourselves from the bondage of sin, enslaved to sin. God has to reach down. If, if we're to do his will, he has to enable us to do his will. He has to set us free from the power of sin and death. He died not only so that we could forget, be forgiven, so that, but so that we could begin to live obedient. We uh, are no longer enslaved to our sinful nature, no longer addicted to our wicked uh, passions and pleasures. But uh, merely enabling us to do his will, of course, is uh, not enough. There are two more things that we need to do. We need to, uh, he, two more things that he does in order to enable us to do his will. Number one, he, he reveals it. He makes it known. Uh, he reveals it in the Bible. He shows us in Scripture uh, what is his good and perfect will. He gives us commandments. He gives us uh, precepts or principles that we have to learn to apply. He gives us uh, examples, uh, many obligatory examples that we need to follow. And so the psalmist prays, you know, your word is a lamp to my feet. Your, your word shows me the way that I should go. Your word teaches me your will. So God enables us to obey, then he shows us what we need to do, and then one more thing, he gives us his spirit. He gives us his spirit to uh, enable us. Uh, Psalm 143 verse 11 says, let your good spirit lead me. Let your good spirit uh, lead me. Uh, and uh, that is uh, what we uh, pray as what, what we pray as well, that, that we would be led by the Spirit. 
Now, with regard to God revealing his will in his word and giving us his spirit to understand and uh, the power to obey, we, we must try to avoid the error that is so prevalent in, uh, in the world today, but throughout church history as well, and that is to separate the word from the spirit and to try to know the word apart from the ministry of the spirit or try to know, uh, try to know the will of God from his word without the spirit or try to know uh, his will through the Spirit without the Word. Uh, let's think first about that latter case, uh, seeking to know the will of God through the ministry of the Spirit without reference to the Word. These are those who are, are governed by uh, uh, vague, mysterious leadings of the Spirit. Uh, they have feelings or hunches or desires, uh, they ask for signs, they look to providential circumstances, all to reveal the will of God. I think God is leading me to fill in the blank, you know. I think the Spirit is pointing me in this direction. As I read Providence, I think that this is what God wants me to do. Well, we need to be very careful there because uh, Satan is able to disguise himself as an angel of light and put very pious-sounding thoughts in our mind, which are the direct opposite of what God wants us to do. Uh, take the Apostle Peter, for example. You know, in Matthew chapter uh, 16 and in verse 17, Peter makes uh, the good confession. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. And your name is no longer uh, Simon, but your name is Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. Uh, the church is built on a, a good confession of faith, like that confession which uh, Peter gave. But just five verses after that, just five verses after that, Jesus is saying, I have to go to Jerusalem and suffer and, and die. And what does is, what is this blessed are you Peter say? May it never be, Lord. We don't want you to go to Jerusalem. You know, we love you. We, we love you. We care for you. We honor and respect you. We don't want you to, to suffer and die. That sounds very pious, doesn't it? But where did that thought come from? Well, you know where that thought come from. Jesus said to him, now get thee behind me, Satan. You know, that's, that's how quickly things can turn. Uh, one minute we're walking in the will of God, doing God's expressly, uh, clearly revealed will, and the next moment we have this pious thought, which is the exact opposite of what God wants us to do. And, and people who want to be led by the Spirit will often fall into great error. I've been parts of uh, uh, church assemblies uh, many years ago that prayed for the, uh, the leading of the Spirit and then came to a conclusion contrary to the clear teaching of the Word of God. But those who voted in favor of it said, well, this, this obviously is the right thing to do because we prayed for the leading of the Spirit and this is what 
what happened. So this, if this is what happened, this must be the leading of the Spirit. It must be that, that Scripture is outdated and outmoded. That was certainly God's will for the first century, but that's not God's will for us today. And now we, we learn the Spirit by listening to the, to the culture around us and learning from uh, providential circumstances around us. And, and so sometimes the whole denominations are carried away in error by the leading of the Spirit apart from the Word. And uh, whole churches do it, uh, congregations do it, uh, individuals do it. We must always uh, say, no, the Spirit speaks to us through the Word. But then there are those who make the, uh, the opposite uh, error, who uh, try to uh, understand the Word without the Spirit. Now, they don't actually say that, but that's the way they operate. And, and the way they operate is this. They say, I can read the Bible, and I can determine what it means. I don't need preachers to tell me what to do. I don't need catechisms or confessions. I don't need uh, John Calvin or Martin Luther or St. Augustine. Uh, I don't need uh, the, uh, the confessions of the church. I can read the Scripture for myself and decide for myself what it means. And I've met people like that who, uh, uh, even in Reformed churches, who take a position on an issue where they are contrary to uh, the confessions and the history of the interpretation. And I said, you know, John Calvin, he was a, a Christian teacher, and, and he was gifted of the Spirit. And the, the teaching that he gave is spirit-enlightened teaching of the Bible. And if you ignore that, you're ignoring the work of the Spirit. The confessions of the church, again, were produced by men who studied the Scriptures, who, who were uh, empowered by the Holy Spirit to understand the Scriptures, and they, their conclusions that are written down in the confessions have st stood the test of time for, for many centuries. And to go against that is to, to go against the work of the Spirit. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Ephesians uh, 4 says that uh, God has, uh, is uh, giving to the church uh, pastors and teachers to equip the church. And they're, they're called and gifted of the Spirit, and if you ignore them, you're ignoring the, the gift of Christ, and that means not just the, the current ones, but past generations as well. Uh, Hebrews 13, verses 7 through 9 says, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and uh, imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings. So the author of Hebrews is saying, remember your leaders, you know, the ones you heard before, uh, the ones who have now gone on to glory. Remember their teaching. Remember their way of life. They had the Spirit, and if you ignore them and just try to start, say, it's just me and my Bible, you know, uh, it's, uh, it, it defies understanding how one man can, can stand alone against the whole history of the church and say, 
I'm smarter than everybody else, <laughs> and uh, I understand the Scriptures better than, than hundreds and thousands of other people who are uh, godly and whose uh, lives uh, bear witness to their godliness because uh, uh, I, I just can do it. Such audacity uh, I find mind-boggling, but there are those who want to stand alone uh, and uh, stand by themselves and ignore God's gift of pastors and teachers in the past and in the present as well. And so uh, interpreting the Bible by yourself is, is trying to uh, interpret the Bible without uh, spiritual gifts that God has given uh, to the whole church. Uh, if you uh, want to uh, study the scriptures, that's great. You should study the scriptures yourself. You shouldn't just uh, say uh, to the minister, tell me what I believe on this. No, you should uh, discover the truths for yourself. But uh, as you uh, do so, you should be guided by what the church has taught in the past. And uh, if uh, your conclusions are within the, the boundaries uh, set by the confessions of the church, you can be fairly certain that uh, you haven't gotten far from the truth. Uh, so uh, we need the Spirit uh, to uh, enable us to understand the Word. We need the Word in order to uh, uh, govern our spiritual leanings. Now, what is the goal of this petition? What, what does God have in mind? Well, it's, it's quite clear there, that here, it's that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And the catechism says that means we need to uh, carry out our office and calling. Everybody has an office. Everybody has a calling. Uh, you know, God said to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and uh, subdue the earth. Uh, we're uh, all called to participate in, in building culture, in building society, and, and finding the wonderful resources that God has created in this world and uh, uh, developing, to the, uh, developing them so that uh, they can benefit others. Uh, a number of months ago, uh, Pastor Lovers and I were privileged to uh, walk through uh, several of the buildings at Vermeer and uh, see many of the different machines that were being uh, built there. And I thought, you know, every one of these machines is about subduing the earth, <laughs> uh, whether it's uh, baling or chopping or, or digging. Uh, every one of them is about uh, working God's creation and working it to the benefit of people who uh, will uh, benefit from the uh, the work that those machines do, it enriches the lives of others and helps us to be good stewards of all that God has entrusted to you. And, and whether it's uh, at that uh, manufacturing facility or the other manufacturing facilities in town, uh, Bellacorp and the smaller businesses, uh, almost all of them are indeed involved in subduing the earth, in building culture, and, and that's part of your calling. And uh, you need to pray that God would help you to be uh, to be good at it and to understand what you're doing, that you are indeed called uh, to uh, this uh, great calling of subduing the earth. But uh, with regard to your office, uh, the, uh, I believe the catechism is, uh, has in mind there the, the office of Christian. Uh, and uh, you are called Christian because you share in Christ's anointing, in Christ's office to be uh, prophets, uh, priests, and kings. As prophets, you're called to uh, confess his name before the world, to confess his name with words 
and with deeds of love and kindness. As priests, you're called to offer your life as a living sacrifice of thanksgiving and praise. And as kings, you're called to uh, fight against sin and to uh, uh, fight against the devil and to reign with Christ. Uh, that is the office of Christian, prophet, priest, and king. And uh, God's goal in this prayer is that you would indeed uh, be uh, fulfilling that, that calling. You know, the Apostle Paul has a, a prayer in the, his letter to the Colossians that I just want to read two verses of, or uh, read part of, uh, read two verses from Colossians. One, uh, he talks about having uh, heard of their their love and their faith and so forth. And he says, uh, because of what he has heard about them, he says, for this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. He says, we want you to be filled with the knowledge of his will. And then in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of the Lord, and knowledge of God. So we want you to know his will, and then we want you to do his will. And as you do his will, you will also increase in the knowledge of God and of his will. Uh, that's his prayer for the church, that uh, they would know the will of God and then th that they would walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, bearing fruit in every good work. That's, that's what this prayer is about too, that, that, that we would be know his will and then go forth and do it. Is that, is that happening? <laughs> Are you learning the will of God? Are you wor walking worthy of your calling? Are you uh, uh, prophets, priests, and kings in this world? Uh, declaring the wonderful praises of him who brought you out of darkness uh, and into his marvelous light, leading such good lives before the world that though they accuse you of wrong, they see your good works and give praise to your Father in heaven. Well, if it's not happening or not happening to the extent that you, you know it should happen, then Jesus has a, something he wants you to do. When you pray, pray this way. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Help me to know you and help me to do your will. Pray that and watch God answer that prayer, setting you free from the power of sin, filling your mind with the knowledge and training your will to do what is good in his sight. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for your love to us in Jesus Christ that when we were still dead in our trespasses and sins, you made us alive together with Christ so that we can be uh, new creatures in Christ and come to know you and uh, do your will. We pray, O oh Father, that you would work in our hearts through your word and spirit to conform us more and more to the image of our Savior Jesus Christ in true righteousness, knowledge, and holiness so that uh, your will may be done on earth as it is in heaven. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.